going everybody the chrises are back for quest your days and uh hey we've stuck to our uh, bi-weekly schedule up to this point here two weeks ago and then here we are with episode three and hopefully in two weeks we'll have episode four and so on and so on and so on uh i am one chris here's another chris how are you doing this week chris I am doing marvelous, Christopher. Can't wait to dig into another episode of Quester Days here, where I've got my lodestone around my neck and it's pointing me towards episode number three. There you just, go. Just make sure we mention the lodestone about 700 times. <laughs> still, trying, still trying to still find like that it. life. Still trying to find that life, mate, but let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into it here. Uh, we are up to Elf Quest issue three. Of course, this is the Marvel epic stuff, so it has a uh, it has a cover date that's not in the late 1970s. This is October 1985 cover. Story is called Raid at Sorrow's End by Wendy and Richard Peeney. Colors by Glennis Oliver, though she's uncredited here. Epic editors Archie Goodwin and Joe Duffy, and uh, I love Jim Shooter's title here. He is the chief and consultant. What is he consulting on? <laughs> what, 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 like literally, what are these other people doing on the book at all? I mean, you got Archie Goodwin as an editor, but really, what's he editing outside of the other, you know, the the, the segue? Two pages of extra. <laughs> yeah, so Archie and Joe Duffy actually edited two entire pages. Everything else is as is, pretty well, is it not? It's true. It's true. And it, 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 when I read this and I saw that, and I was like giving it a real hard think. Like what? Like it takes some guts to uh, to like put yourself in there as an editor for something that's already like in the package, right? Like <laughs> we could put our names as editors for this because we had about as much impact as the actual editors did. <laughs> and it's 40 years later, 30 years later. Um, You're not wrong. And it reminds me of you remember those ads that Marvel put on the back of comics, probably. Boy, it was probably around the time of Marvel now-ish, so like 2013, 2015-ish. It was like Harley-Davidson ads, but they were oh, yeah. actual comics. And if you looked at like the first panel there, they listed like five editors, um, like chief creative <laughs> officers, uh, the president Dan Buckley or whatever, for a one-page, four-panel ad for Harley-Davidson. I, I guess when – What did you do? I guess when you're talking about that, you're talking about a lot of rights and a lot of different things. And I guess when you talk, when you consider that the segue from, um, you know, Marvel Comics to, you know, the Peenies Warp brand, I guess, you know, there's a little bit of red tape. There's formatting we got to talk about because the formats were different, right? So I guess that's real technically what they're editing to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, the pages try to remain as 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 close to they were as they were originally, mm. but to to be able to have these segues between issue to issue. So I guess the editing really comes into play is that to make this thing seem like an individual comic instead of like half or quarter of another sure. issue. And that that's sure. where the that's where the problem comes the in. The pacing, yeah, the pacing. But um, boy, now, this poor this poor Glennis Oliver get the get the <laughs> shaft again. This is issue yes. number two where she goes uncredited for mm -hmm. the coloring and the well, coloring the third, is actually third in a row. Yeah, oh third in a row. <laughs> well, we're talking about you, Glennis. Good job. Yes. 
Yes, and, and eventually, because, I, I mean, next issue, Archie will apologize for the fact that she hasn't been credited. So hopefully we'll start uh, getting her name popping up here actually on the page. Uh, we'll still mention it regardless. But, uh, and not that only come... that, oh, go ahead. What's, what's jarring about it mm-hmm. is that these were originally black and white, so coloring is brand new. So you yes. think you would highlight the colorist, would you 100%. not? hundred percent. Yes, that is the that is like the big like if you were buying if you were like an ex uh, an ex no oh an elf quest completionist here you'd want these because of the new stuff you would yes. want you know the two pages of extra and of course the coloring which you did not have in the uh, yeah I mean you had beautifully painted colored covers for the warp stuff but not the interiors and the interiors no. they look really really good here. Oh, a lot of the costuming, especially like the ceremonial costuming, even skin tone, you really oh, didn't yeah. have an appreciation for because you're looking sure. at the, especially when you compare the black and white to the colored editions, when you see Lita, it's actually mm-hmm. jarring to see her in color because she is super dark skin and you don't really get yes. that vibe because, you know, you, you get, you have to have a little bit of light when you're drawing someone who's dark skinned in a black and white comic, believe it or not, Absolutely. because otherwise Absolutely. they just become, you know, just a black black figure with white eyes, basically, yeah. you know what I mean? It's true, so. yeah. You do run into that problem for sure. Now, this one had a cover price, $0.75 cents USD, $1 Canadian. And um, the cover here, it's a, you know, I love these covers um, because they, I mean, they actually tell you what's going on in the story, first of all. But, like, if you only knew this series from the epics and you only had the first two issues here, now... You're looking at this cover here. You see Cutter on his uh, on his wolf here. A night runner is this? Is that? I, I I keep meaning to like remind myself of his wolf's name, but is it night runner? I think it is. I think it okay. is. Um, and he has Lita like over his shoulder on 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 you know wolf back here, and you could just see that. I mean, these are elves, of course, but they look very different. This is a different culture of elf, and yeah. we have Ryak there, who I growing up. I thought his name was Rainneck. I thought there was an N in there. There's no N in there, but I always called him Rainneck. Um, but he's there with his spear. And, I mean, he, of course, they, they look different than the elves we know. So it it immediately makes you ask questions here. It's like, okay, so there are more, there are more elves here. We're discovering this just like the Wolf Riders are. Yeah. No, they didn't know this, and we didn't either. So we see this, and it's it's really really cool to see. It's it's a really nice cover. It's what, it's what's, really striking. What what's what's cool about it? The coloring is really really brilliant. So I mean, totally. you really got a great pop. I mean, the the ceremonial garbs, you know that uh, that Lita's crew was wearing. I mean, really really nice colors. The blues, the reds, the yellows, and I think the difference that you're seeing here between the two casts are not only, you know, that the skin tone. But the the costuming. So you got the wolf uh-huh. riders who are basically, you know, hunters. They look like barbarians. hunters. They, yeah. yeah, they're barbarian like. They've got like the the wool, you know, the the skin the skin yeah, like vests. The pelts. Yeah. The pelts, yeah. They they're wearing the pelts and all that stuff. Traditional and elven type. leather. Yeah, yeah and exactly. Skinned pants and yeah. Meanwhile, Lita's crew and, and the, Lita's crew of elves are more like traditional, like tribal. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, jewelry so adornments. Yeah, it's it's more really, upscale. Really cool. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> they're, they're the uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, <laughs> now, now we pick up, you know, right where we left off here, right? We've got uh, where we left off. Cutter and Skywise, they were 
climbing up that little crag of mountain. They look over the top and they see this little oasis, this little town, this little village in the middle of this vast wasteland here. Now, it's not a massive paradise, but for a crew of elves who had just nearly died trying to get there, it's, you know, a sight for a literal sore eyes here. I like this first page, too. So this first page, if I'm not mistaken, is brand new, correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Right. Right. So it's a brand new Marvel thing that they added for the segue between the between the issues, because the last issue didn't technically end at the end of issue two. It continued on into this one, correct? Yes. Right. Absolutely. So what's funny about this, you got, you know, you got Cutter and Skywise, they're peering over the top of the rock, and this is how they open the book. Now, Skywise is like really enchanted. Golly gee, look how great this is. My goodness, we finally found some water. And you got Cutter over there is like, I'm going to rape and pillage it all. (laughs) I'm taking, I'm not asking. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And and as these are the first two pages of the, you know, Marvel epic exclusive content, they do give us the old Jim Shooter special, the uh, quick and dirty on what got us to this point here, which, I mean, that's a good thing. It helps you to catch up. And, I mean, if you're buying these things at the shop or on the rack and you want to know more about what happened, I mean, you go find them, right? But if you can't find them, you you know every, you get everything you need to know here. You, you we, we relearn that the Holt was burned by humans, which tells us right there that there is animus between the elves and the humans. They each see each other as a threat. So we know that there's, there's you know, uh, acrimony there. Um, they were also betrayed by Grey Mung's trolls, and uh, they wound up banishing themselves <laughs> into the wasteland. And uh, they have spent the past several days crossing a seemingly empty and endless desert. Now, remember that they use the word desert here in Cutter's flashback, because we talked about the editors um, and what they contributed to this and how we mentioned that these two pages are probably it. Well, they use the word desert here, but later we're going to find out that uh, the elves, the wolf riders, had no idea what a desert was. So, <laughs> But we'll get there. Now, as you mentioned, Cutter spies the abundant water and food down below. And uh, also how while these elves are quite similar to them in stature, uh, they also have much darker skin. Which is Scott, which is cool oh, because they're they're also they're right away they're building diversity within yes, elves okay absolutely. so they're, they're, we're already creating differences within their own world so not only do we have like different different elements at play so we've seen the trolls we've seen the humans we know mm-hmm. that elves exist but now we know that two different types of elves exist and you yeah. know because they live in a desert is that the reason why their skin is a little bit darker they're used to the sun or is what's happening here sure sure absolutely. Now, Skywise, as you mentioned, he's a little bit uh, naive here. He's like, hey, I wonder if they'll help us. <laughs> and uh, Cutter's response uh, shows his feelings of fatigue and failure. And uh, and he's like, uh, yeah, we're not going to ask. We're just going to take. Yeah, and I'm telling you right now, like our heroes here, our, our, our good buddy, you know, uh, Cutter and Skywise, they certainly don't do anything to endear themselves to these, these brand new noble elves. No, no, yes. no, no. Because all they've done since the beginning of this entire book, we're only three issues in, and all they've done so far is raid, take <laughs> hostages, make demands, yet, you know, we're still cool with them. You know, these aren't yep. your daddy's elves, man. These no. are some tough and, you know, tough and rumble type of elves, you know what I mean? They These guys are in the woods, they're living from the land, they're surviving on their own, and now they're going to take out their own to get what they need. So there you go. That's where we are. It's true. It's true. Now, we have these new elves, of course, and let's meet a couple of them. 
uh, we see a couple who, you know, from first glance here, we might assume are at least somewhat romantically linked, right? Yep. Um, we have a, a beautiful woman named Lita who is, yeah. Was, she, she's Wendy Peeney can draw the shit out of the ladies. I'll tell you true. what, Lita's a good looking lady. <laughs> Now, she's sort of kind of toying with her maybe sort of kind of beau, Ryak, and uh, he reminds her that he had asked her to become his life mate. Now, life mate has a bit of a different connotation in the world of ElfQuest than uh, we have here in our uh, real mundane world, and we will be getting very deep into that as we go. That's going to be one of the... Uh, like one of the pillars of elf quest here uh the culture just the the makeup of the elves has there's a lot of stuff to get into and we will for sure now lita is definitely having fun toying with her guy here and uh he gently grabs her from behind and she says ah it's too tight and uh you know if uh, if you let me go i'll finally give you my answer and when he does let go she just scampers away laughing Oh, Lita, just always the tease. She's leading <laughs> on her man. I mean, what makes what makes this scene, you know, what makes this scene a little bit, you know, much worse to come is when, you know, you got this poor guy, Rayek, and I mean, you know, he's probably sprung at the possibility of, you know, <laughs> what, what's to come. He's ready to go. You know what I mean? All right. Here's a, I'm about to get busy. All of a sudden. <laughs> you know, Bro Rayek is, you know, the character in this saga. He sort of gets like the, the Johnny from the Karate Kid treatment. Is he actually <laughs> a bad guy, really? Or, you know, you got some guy coming in to rain on his turf. He's ready to go. And somebody else comes out of nowhere on Wolfpack. I mean, this mm -hmm. guy is, you know, pitching a tent here. <laughs> now, now all of a sudden, someone's going to take his lady. I got problems with that. I don't know. It's true. I mean, Ryek is going to he's going to be one of the more interesting characters, I think, as we as we work yeah. over through the series here, because. When we see him, like we like, like you automatically hate the guy, but you don't know why. Yeah. I don't know if it's because we just identify with the, the characters we met first or if uh, if there is some sort of sinister motive to Ryak or just he he's drawn kind of he always he, he reminds me a lot of Namor. You know, you're right on the money. He's got that arched brow all the yes, time. He's, like he's always, always angry. He's always judging. He's always like, like just, just an inch away from exploding. You know, and this is probably the only time in the series where you see him happy for that one panel where he goes, <laughs> Oh, Lita. It's true. Come over here now. Come over, lady. <laughs> it's true. He's, he's, he's very dour from uh, this point on. We've already seen Ryak at his peak and at his happiest. It's very unfortunate, but we will, you know, we will discover here that, you know, he's, he's not, he's not what you would, uh, you know, write off as just being bad, right? He's not exactly. the bad guy here, despite the fact that we all kind of want to see him trip on his own feet. Um, so we've got Lita. She's, you know, she's, you know, doing a little merry jaunt away. Ha, ha, ha. Gotcha, gotcha. But then out of the, you know, right in front of her, she drops the jug of water that she just filled because there's a whole lot of wolf riders going right at her. I mean, there is a stampede of wolves and barbaric elves just coming right in her face. And uh, Cutter and his tribe, they've stormed this little oasis. And they are just stealing all the food and all the drink that they could possibly fit into their hands, mouths, and stomachs. Now, Ryak attempts to hold Cutter up at spear point, 
To which Cutter just slices the spear with New Moon and delivers a kick to Ryak's mush here. He's just like, thunk. And, which is exactly uh, what you see right on the cover. So oh, you, yeah. you see this happen, with the only exception is that Lita's on, on the wolf back already, but yes. we're about to get yes, there. we are. Now, Cutter then turns his attention to Lita, and, huh, something happens. They, uh, like, time seems to stop, right? Uh, Lita and Cutter, their eyes meet. They both take pause, and they, like, gaze, like, deeply into each other. And it's almost as though they see something that they <clears throat> recognize. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and over. recognition will come into play, ladies Absolutely. and gentlemen. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, put that, there, uh, there put is that thing. term in your gloss. Yes, sir. It's coming exactly. back. <laughs> so, I mean, you got Peeny here. And like I said, not only is she, she's crafting her own lore, you know what I mean? So she's Absolutely. building in an entire backstory, uh, you know, an entire, you know, set of definitions and everything. So, I mean, when you think about the concepts that she talks about, and I won't get into detail here, like we said, but elves seem to communicate, you know, by feelings and words. And we get that when we see that this particular situation is the first time we pick up on it. It's this mm -hmm. recognition. Now, we won't get into exactly what that is here right at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's the way they communicate, the way they associate, the way they understand each other and who belongs with who. You know what I mean? Sure. Then you. You know, and then we'll come up with the concept later on of soul names, you Absolutely. know, what I mean? and really what that means. So what does a life mate mean? What does a love mate mean? Recognition, all these things that literally come into play and really mean a lot and it add depth to the entire thing. And I think this is one of the things that, you know, that ElfQuest can hang his hat on is really, really establishing and playing a part in the lore that even – you know, Dungeons and Dragons and all that stuff would adopt not exactly word for word these these terms and names, but, you know, ideas and concepts that will go mm -hmm. forward that other people take right from ElfQuest, damn it. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and we I remember when we were doing uh, Moratory Mondays here, and we would always talk about, like, there'd be, like, that one panel that Brent Anderson would just murder, you know? Yep. Just, it would yes. be, like... It, you didn't need a single word. It was just like you knew exactly what was going on here. Now, this one's a little bit different because we don't we, we're not privy to what recognition is just yet. But we see their eyes meet and it's like this weird mixture of excitement and fear and like just a I don't want to say lust because that's not there yet. But it's like this mixture of just want and yep. also holding back and and I mean, this is all said this is all without words this is just the picture of of Lita's face and Cutter's face and uh, and Wendy it just just kills it just and what's what's funny here. what's funny is that Cutter just came down over a mountain with the intent of raiding and pillaging this place and taking everything from them yes all of a sudden he locks eyes with Lita and he's like hold hold on a second yeah man. what whoa whoa <laughs> whoa as the, the Fonzer would say whoa <laughs> whoa, and he can't whoa. Really, yeah, he he's really taken aback by by you know the beauty of Lita, and he really can't mm -hmm. explain why you know that this guy who's this fearless leader, you know, who's gonna you know make right for his people and get them fed and all that stuff. All of a sudden, he's suddenly and quickly distracted, and we'll find out a little Lost bit more why. Yeah. Yes, it's his nature. Yeah, yeah, so much so that rather than swiping any foodstuffs, Cutter just grabs Lita herself and flops her on the back of his wolf. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, seriously, if you're writing this book in 2021, I want you, I want oh. you to picture this, okay? <laughs> How do you think this would play out? Because I'm telling you right now, if this was presented in 2021, exactly how this is, Cutter would definitely be like, he'd be locked up in jail with Bill Cosby. I'm telling you right now, that's what would be happening. No, no. If someone wrote this in 2021, here's what would have happened. Lita would have knocked out Cutter and thrown him over the back of his own wolf and captured herself. Because she is a strong female elf, you understand? You can't go showing that male dominance. We can't do that in 2021. Hell no. I'm going to capture myself. And, uh, you know, I do wonder how someone who is discovering this for the first time, maybe with this show, uh, would take would take that scene. Like, would that be their Rubicon? Would that be like, wait, I, I'm, I'm done here. Even though just in a scant number of pages, Lita is going to show exactly what she brings to the table. Yes. You know, um, no, she no, is this, this, strong. This, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. but this this right now is this you one see scene. It, yes. Yeah. This is going to be. He just he didn't have permission. He didn't give me acceptance and permission. And I really Kidnappers hate. Kidnappers don't so usually ask. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Cutter calls off the wolf riders to retreat back up into the mountains. And um, Skywise he looks at uh, Cutter's bounty and is like, "Uh, boss, uh, what, what are you what are you thinking here? What what, what exactly are uh, huh?" Uh, we we can't feed the ones we have. You're bringing us more. Uh, hmm. uh, Cutter says, eh, "I'll explain later." Now, meanwhile, in this, I I, I don't want to say that this feels like a a discontinuity with the rest of the story here, but like as this is happening, we just saw Ryak get kicked in the face, his spear broken. Yep. Now we see Ryak with spear repaired deep into Sorrow's End at the home of Suntoucher. Which ah, right uh, you are. Which reads a lot less pervy on the page than it sounds over the air. Because <laughs> Sun Toucher. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh get it? <laughs> yes. Now Sun Toucher is advised that barbarians have just stormed the town and that they've taken Lita back with them in you know in their fleeting. And uh we learn here that Sun Toucher is actually Lita's father. So this feels like a little bit of a of a discontinuity where I mean, maybe Ryak just got up, dusted himself off, ran into town. Uh, got a maybe. new, got a new spear. Yeah, well, <laughs> he stopped at the armory first. Um, <laughs> now we do shift scenes here because, of course, we need to check in with Red Lance the Useless oh. and his gal pal Nightfall. <laughs> Man, I, I I really can't stand this guy. I mean, Red Lance is probably you know one of our our most useless characters like he's never since since issue one let, let's go let's go through his history issue by <laughs> issue so we open in issue one with red lance captured and about yes. to be sacrificed and by god i sort of wish that they did go ahead with that because <laughs> anyway they have to rescue him and he's all withdrawn and upset because he was you know because he was captured and the peril that he went through then he gets in the desert and he's the only guy. No, go on without me. Do it. I, I can't go on. Praise Jesus. And of course, you got his you got his his woman here who is going to hang out and just stay with him and, and nurse yep. him back to health. Now, poor old Cutter got to throw him a bag of water and just leave him there. So, you know, and he's still there. This I mean, even his wolf, you look at the panel and his wolf is looking at him going like disappointed, bro. <laughs> OK, like we're done. 
Like, it's time to get up, bro. Like, we're, we're, I get it. You're tired. We're, we're ready to go. But, I mean, this is, like, this is the father's worst nightmare. It's one thing if, you know, your daughter brings home this cocky meathead, you know what I mean, who's going to give you a bit of sauce or something. It's another thing when you bring home, you know, Orange Cassidy here, you know what I mean, who's just, oh, my, I'm just so upset and I'm so forlorn. Oh, my God, Red Lance got to go. Wendy, Peeny, if you're listening to me, just, you know, do away with this character. But... In memory, looks like uh, Redlance has been busier than uh, than we've known. So maybe he has been like uh, doing a lot of different things. So uh, let's get into it. What 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 has yes. he been up to here? He's been laying down besides a rock. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> he's a, that's about it. Now Nightfall tries to feed Redlance from Cutter's water skin, which <laughs> sounds a little PG thirteen, doesn't it? <laughs> I tell you what, I ain't drinking nothing, nothing. From any man's water skin, just saying, letting you know. <laughs> now, Nightfall thinks over her relationship with Redlance, and we see him picking flowers. Sounds um, right. Yeah, we see him killing a beast, which we're going to guess is a false memory informed by Nightfall's lack of sleep and exposure to the elements here. Absolutely. And we, we also see them banging. Yes, yeah. and you know what? This is this is what's hilarious because again, you know, if anyone wants to know what separates ElfQuest from the other Marvel fair on that spinner rack, man, it's all the sexy time because I mean, telling you right now, these elves, they they are loose they in the clothing busy. department, yeah. man. They get busy a lot, and they <laughs> they they love to have the sexy time. I'm telling you right mm-hmm. now. And Redland's got a little bit of action here, so good good for him. Maybe he's mm-hmm. just milking it. That could be it. Oh, and that one thing about it. that hunting scene. Mm-hmm. So when you see the hunting scene, it says that he was out hunting. It looks like this beast caught him by surprise and is jumping on him. <laughs> he just happened to have the spear upwards. <laughs> oh, my God. And you're just holding it up and he lands on the spear. I think that's what happened. I don't think he actually caught anything, but I bet you he took credit for it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes, that was that was a defensive kill at best. Um <laughs> Now, Nightfall uses her sending ability here to beg Redlands to share his soul name with her. Another and, concept. Here yeah, we go. And of course, we will be talking about soul names a whole lot during this run, even a little bit more today. So, so, the, at, so, I, okay. so I guess we could shed a little bit of light. So when sure. you shed your – basically, we won't get into the entire concept, but when you share your soul name, you're basically – you know giving yourself to somebody else basically you know what mm-hmm. i mean you're it's a it's a it's a union is is basically what happens here so you know it's, it's like a like how we exchange rings when yes. we get married here it's uh you know you you exchange this name that is only known to you it's something deep inside of you and it's gonna play into the to the concept oh, you know it's gonna play into the concept of of recognition as we as we move forward yes. as well right now as redlands lay motionless and useless as ever <laughs> Uh, Nightfall declares that, should it come to it, she will end his misery herself, and she pats her knife uh, that is uh, strapped to her side. Now she's thinking. Now she's thinking. There you go. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm kind of hungry, and I don't want to eat the wolf. Um, now, <laughs> back, <laughs> back to Sorrow's End. Now, Strongbow and Tree Stump are elders here. They're standing guard as Rayak and some of his men are attempting to scale the mountain. Now, Cutter tells the fellas that, uh, hey, there's not going to be any killing here if we can avoid it. And he also has his hand over Lita's mouth, and she is violently wriggling, trying to escape his grip. 
Now, at this point, Ray X-Men nope out of the climb, claiming that it's too difficult. So uh, we've got us a real set of red lances here, don't we? <laughs> You're uh, exactly right. <laughs> now, Ray X, however, continues his trek. And, you know, it's funny. We mentioned that Ray X ain't a bad guy. But a tree stump, he's watching Ray X pull himself up. And it actually seems to impress him a bit. He, like, you know, rubs his beard and he's like, huh, look at this guy. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of cool. like that. Because they they and it comes into play a little bit later that you know yep. this guy you know he backs his ass up you know what I mean like mm-hmm. he he's bitter and he he's angry but yeah but when it comes to actual combat the guy can throw down you know you know he mm-hmm. has a couple misfires but when it comes to going to battle this guy can back his ass up and that's pretty cool now oh, yeah. I, I I like what happens here so you get poor Skywise and he mm-hmm. asks Cutter you know if he thinks Lita might have the sending ability. Yeah. Which is another thing. Now, which could guide Rayek right to them. Totally. So, you know, does, does she have that connection where she can just, you know, you know, subconsciously rat them out and show her, you know, basically her GPS or where she's located? It's pretty cool. So, you know, yeah. Cutter doesn't know for sure. Now, um, otherwise, she would have, they would have known by now. You know, they're climbing up the mountain, but they really, do they know where they're going? No, yeah, I don't think. they're pretty think directionless. They're just going yeah. up at this point. Yeah, to the point where Tree Stump is just, you know, just grinning and laughing, going, oh, mm-hmm. these poor fellas, they don't know anything. <laughs> you know, all he knows is that she can scream, which is why his hand, <laughs> you know, remains firmly, you know, grasped across her, her, her mouth here, is what I'll say. <laughs> and, but what's funny about this is that she actually starts biting him. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this lady got a little bit of sass behind her. She ain't sitting down. So, no. you know, she's struggling, she's fighting whatever she could do with her strength and bites him. Now, Skywise suggests that Cutter just hit her back. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> just give what, her a rap. Yeah. Man, like you talk about you talk about stuff to get you in trouble in 2021. That's not PC. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and then he suggests that Cutter simply just put the fear of God in her. So, you know, if she screams, he'll do something really, really nasty to her. <laughs> oh, man. This just does not read well, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> And so anyway, Cutter, he just he just goes ahead and does that. Like no sooner does he, re- you know, remove his mouth from Lita, from Lita's mouth. Lita screams to the top of her lungs, obviously tipping off Ryak to their location. So there you go. And Cutter like turns to Skywise with one of those like, here's another nice mess you got me into kind of looks here. <laughs> I like that buddy comedy vibe that they got. Oh, it's great. And they're always at it. You know what I mean? And Skywise, he kind of just like shrugs. He's like. Eh, guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> <You know? laughs> We've got Ryak coming. And, and he arrives uh, not soon after, and he is full of PNV here. Um, he threatens to attack Cutter if he doesn't release Lita, but um, what he doesn't realize is that he's kind of surrounded. Um, yeah. He gets poked uh, in his shoulder by a spear, and he's like, you know, what, what? There's like 10 guys around him just aiming their spears at him. And uh, his tune quickly changes. Now, Pike, a character who uh, we're going to know more uh, basically because he gets drunk all the time on Dreamberries. We're going to talk <laughs> about him a bit. Um, he goes to nab Ryak's pig poker, which um, sounds kind of, you know, suspect without the context. Uh, <laughs> now, Ryak, he shows us a little bit of his power here. He turns and he just leers at Pike, which somehow renders the poor chap as stiff as a board. Oh, boy, as, does it ever. Like, this guy is, like, he's completely entranced. His oh, eyes are wide. His, you know, his hands have dropped down by his side. He's powerless. 
Mm-hmm. So there is definitely more to Ryak than meets the eye here. So we don't know if he can necessarily send, but we do know that he can do more than send. Mm-hmm. He can That's actually, it... yeah, he can inflict harm with his mind, with his eyes, and uh, it's it's really really cool stuff here. Cutter orders him dogpiled and his eyes covered, so it's a good thing he's wearing a great big headband that can just <laughs> <laughs> right over his eye. Um, Lita begs them not to kill Ryak. And she promises that she'll do anything that they say in order to avoid that. And Cutter sets her down, and their eyes beat again. And uh, we get another one of those scenes here where there's something there. Neither of them can explain it yet, but uh, there's definitely something there. Yep. Now, now, good old Ryak, he's had quite enough of this. So he's yes. cursing out the Wolf Riders <laughs> in the name of the high one. So he's uh-huh. just going, speak! You dare profane our ancient fathers. I mean, he is just ripping here with anger. And I mean, this catches Cutter off guard. You know, he he just wonders how this stranger knows anything about the high ones. I mean, yeah. how could they possibly know anything about that? And of course, Lita's all like, hey, idiot, don't you realize, you know, we're all elves here? <laughs> of course, we all come from the same place. Now, Ryak dismisses the notion you know, claiming to share no kinship whatsoever with these savages. So he's not going to lay claim that he is like these guys at all. He just thinks they're pure savages and he disavows them. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. But of course, at this point, Cutter takes the opportunity to introduce himself and his tribe. So he Mm -hmm. speaks of the near lethal trek through the wasteland. You know, Rygik just thinks he's completely full of it as nobody, nobody, could ever cross that desert and live. Now, Skywise is all, oh, so the wasteland is called a desert. Well, this is sort of what, you know, Cutter referred to it back in the flashback. So, hmm, yeah. I think a bit of a editorial disconnect there, maybe, possibly. You Just know, it's a, a touch. Yes, there you go. So maybe that is what the editors, uh, you know, they, they should have been picking up on. There you go. Mm-hmm. But what happens with Lita, Christopher? She invites the Wolf Riders into the village because they're not sure if they buy this yet. You know, Lita has her suspicions. Ryak certainly has suspicions. But uh, she wants them to speak with her father, Sun Toucher, because he will be able to deduce whether or not they're lying. You know, she'll yeah. be able to tell here. And so we wind up in Sorrow's End here. And we learn that Sun Toucher is blind. And uh, they always warned us that we'd go blind. Um, he claims... That he'd given up his eyes to the almighty Daystar, which we meet, we take to mean that he just stared into the sun an awful lot. Maybe on a dare. I don't know. Uh, He's, he was that guy who took a look at the eclipse. Look up yes. here now. He, he didn't use the piece of paper with a hole in it. He just looked straight up. <laughs> now, he waves his hand over the wolf riders and thus is able to confirm that their story is true. Hmm. Then Cutter remembers, ah, oh, crap. Night falls in the desert. And, and Red Lance is, is there, too. Um, and so he uh, he cuts Sun Toucher off here, and he hops on the wolf to fetch him. He also asks if the village has a healer who might accompany him. And wouldn't you know it, Lita just so happens to be a healer. Wait, and Wolf Ryan, Rider, I am a healer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, How and convenient, Ryan, Chris. It's totally. Ryak forbids her from going with Cutter, to which she gives him a, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> she goes, you forbid me? <laughs> like, just with this death glare at him. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he takes a step back and he's like, okay, okay, sister. <laughs> he's he's going to sleep on his own couch tonight. He, they don't live but, together. He's banishing himself. 
but what's funny about it is that uh, I think he actually follows him, doesn't it? He's he not does. gonna yep. leave. Yeah, yeah. He ain't he ain't gonna leave uh, good old Lita to uh, mm-hmm. to this savages. Uh, you know, this this stroll across the desert with the savage. No sir, but he's gonna be follow a trap for all they know. Yeah, or someone's gonna take his lady. Mm-hmm. Now, before we know it, Cutter, Lita, and our boy Ryak are back in the desert. Uh, they find Nightfall, Red Lance, as uh, the vultures are already there, just licking their chops, waiting for the ladder to expire. And uh, we're sure that he probably tastes useless, too. Uh, <laughs> Lita rushes over to Red Lance, and here's something interesting. She is shocked to discover that the wounds that he has... Uh, were deliberately inflicted. Like, who would do such a thing here? The this, the the Sun Folk. We don't know of them as the Sun Folk yet, but they are the Sun Folk, the folks at Sorrow's End. I, th- yep. I don't even think we know it's Sorrow's End yet, but we we do know, I guess. Um, they're a peaceful people. You know, they uh, they are not they're not used to uh, violence, really. Which I mean, as the Wolf Riders storming into raid shows, they were all just like, we have no defense. Exactly. We are just here. We're sitting ducks. So she doesn't understand how someone could deliberately inflict harm on someone here. And Cutter's like, hey, it's the humans. The humans did this. Now, this surprises Ryak, who always considered humans to be nothing more than legend. I like that. So they That's... have had zero experience. So when you think about – so remember when we talked about they went through the, the troll caves and all that stuff, mm-hmm. went to the troll kingdom, and you know when they came out the other side, there was a giant mountain that separated them. So these yep. guys are actually geographically separated. So yep. literally the humans, maybe they don't know of this other tribe of elves, mm-hmm. and and likewise. So, I mean, you know, you, you've got this group of elves who are not world – you know world savvy they don't really know what's out there it's which true. is kind and, of interesting yeah because like we don't know like could humans survive a trek across that desert exactly we don't know we don't know the genetic makeup of the elves the, the the sturdiness of the elves that let them actually cross this desert and you have to assume that i mean the the, the relatives the ancestors of the sun folk they made yep. that trek at one point to, to establish the uh, the civilization there the little town and I love the fact that the, the, the humans haven't made it to Sorrow's End, which gives us a safe place to be. So stories can take place at Sorrow's End, and we can kind of uh, lampshade it. It's like, well, how come humans haven't stormed it? Well, we've established yeah. that they can't, you know? So yeah, exactly. this is a place that will always be safe. It will always be somewhere where things that aren't predicated in the turmoil or conflict between humans and elves, it doesn't have to be at the fore, right? <clears throat> So we go here and uh, Lita cures Redlands. It's a great scene here, and it's not it's the first time, but not the last time that we're gonna see a scene like this where she basically she places hands on him, right? I mean yes. that's what we would say about the faith healers now. They place hands on uh, on their subject here. She does that with Redlands. We see vibes of energy radiating, and sure enough, she cures him here. Uh, so Cutter thanks her. Okay. So this this particular page, this is a beautiful piece of art. This this would be totally. if you're if you're collecting original art when it comes to ElfQuest, this would definitely be a page. And I don't want I don't know what the market for ElfQuest original art is. Like, do the Peenies, you know, retain all the original art? Is it out there to buy or question. whatever? But yeah, this is a, a beautiful panel. I mean, you know, you can it tell is. Wendy Peeny has gone all in here. And mm-hmm. I mean, Lita just looks beautiful as she's, you know, even Red Lance. 
mm-hmm. for once actually looks like a decent character on the page. You know what I mean? Not just a wimp. <laughs> it's true. But I, I, what what was the intention of the self-inflicted wound? So what? Can you explain that to me? Because I don't really understand that. Well, not not inflicted to himself here, but inflicted deliberately by someone else. Like right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just enough. a commentary on violence because the Sun Folk are not accustomed to such a thing. Gotcha. So. Yeah, they're not used to uh, people fighting. They're not used to anything like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have this really cool scene here where Cutter thanks her. He kind of like he kind of puts his hand on her chin, you know, like 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 a grandfather might do to a granddaughter or a grandson. Like, oh, look at you. Hey, how are you? And uh, he's like, thank you so much. And they they meet eyes again and she freaks the F out yep. and she pulls away and runs over to Ryak and she sort of stutters. Oh yeah, yeah. She she's goes, scared. Rayek. Yeah, she's scared of what she's uh, feeling here, and I love Rayek giving us just this wicked little smirk here. He's like, yep. hey. <laughs> yeah, he he's like, she's mine, brother. You keep your mitts off her. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a real like. She, Wendy Peeney has a great grasp on facials. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Like like just totally. the way she uh, just the way she portrays emotion through just eyes and a mouth is really really strong and i think it's one of her one of the things yeah. that gets overlooked with her artwork i mean her character work is is brilliant but her use of facials and just being able to emote just with you know just with a drawing is incredible it is it is how, how about you you take us back to sorrow's end all right so we're back at Sorrow's End, and, you know, the Wolf Riders, they return, and they celebrate Nightfall's return, and uh, I guess Red Lance, too, I guess, you know. Probably, we have yeah. Sun Toucher and Cutter, and they take a little sidebar, so they're going to have a little chat on the side there. And old ST introduces, you know, his people as the Sun Folk, and assures them that they will all live their lives peacefully. Keep that in mind, folks. Keep that in your mm-hmm. back pocket. They're all going to live peacefully, okay? No problem. We're all good here. <laughs> now, despite the fact that Cutter and the crew arrived in violence, he's going to show them nothing but kindness, of course. You know, Sun Toucher suggests that Cutter speak when the Sun Folk's mother of memory, with the Sun Folk's mother of memory. And so he's led to a home where inside sits a tall, slender cloaked woman who welcomes them to sorrow's end now one question here is could this really be a human and why is she so tall yeah i guess chris that we're gonna get those answers next time Mm-hmm. that is where we leave it here and uh i mean it's it's a sinister final panel in it like oh yeah she is oh my shrouded goodness shrouded in in shadow and she's all the elves we've seen so far have been these, you know, sort of squat and soft, you know, little little characters. And here we have a very tall person who uh, the who the Sun Folk celebrate as as something important, as uh, as basically, you know, the the of their village. Yeah, and, and I mean, so just to describe the scene, I mean, you're in a in like a giant throne room. In the mm-hmm. middle of the room is like an elevated platform with a throne, and then you've got like almost like a queen like creature yes. or, or being. We don't know if it's human or if it's elf right now, but like you said, very very tall. Uh, you know, her legs are disguised with like a long cloak dress, so you can't really see you know where the feet are actually. To be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. large ceremonial headdress, and the entire face is blacked out. You know, yep. so very, very interesting. And, of course, they're welcome to Sorrow's End. So mm-hmm. here we are. Here we, we are. We are there for sure. 
Now that's where we end the story, but we do have other stuff to discuss here. Um, we're going to start with the quests and answers, answers letters page here. Um, no, no letters yet. We will be getting into letters, I think, either next episode or the episode after that. We're going to start getting letters that we'll discuss. But and here, yes, they actually get letters. They this do. Is, this is not yeah. moratory. <laughs> <laughs> we, they didn't have to beg either. Um, oh, now, <clears throat> we do get a note here from uh, Archie. And I, I, this is either Archie or Richard Peeney. I'm not sure who wrote this, um, yep. but in it, they don't they don't refer to this as issue three. They refer to this as chapter three. Yeah, I can see uh, that. I, 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 you know, this is around the time where graphic novel was kind of catching steam. That term, graphic novel. And uh, in the words of whoever wrote the piece, again, either Richard or Archie, they define Elfquist as a graphic novel and they use the parameters of defining a graphic novel as its length breadth and depth hmm. i pretty loose agree. i don't agree go um, ahead tell me tell me what you think a graphic novel is okay now by my definition and it, it's probably something that can be debate, debated right oh yeah absolutely um, it, I don't see elfquest as a graphic novel i'm sure i called it a graphic novel i'm sure i'll call it a graphic novel again but Technically speaking, to be a pedantic dick, you know, um, this is something that a lot of folks conflate. You have a graphic novel on one hand, you have a collected edition trade paperback on the other. Okay. Mm, okay. Yep. Now, I feel that people use the term graphic novel to make it seem like they're reading literature rather than a comic book. I think um, this speaks to the inferiority complex of comic book fans. I'm just reading a graphic novel. Yeah, I'm reading a graphic novel. I don't like <laughs> comics. I just read graphic <laughs> novels. And, and that's actually things that I've heard people say when I'm at a used bookstore, at a record store with that that that, that, whole, that carries trades. They're, they're like someone will be like, oh, you want to look at the comics? No, I don't read comics. I read graphic novels. It's like, okay, so, so yeah. you are 100% onto something. So here's the deal. So like I said, I'm, I've, I mentioned a interview I listened to recently with Jim Shooter, okay? Yes. Uh, now he's talking about, you know, DC's breakout with, you know, Dark Knight Returns, with Watchmen, mm -hmm. the success that they've had. Uh, he also talked about, you know, when, when you saw comic books in like popular culture, like mm -hmm. in a movie or back in the day and all that stuff. They always attributed, you know, a comic book to somebody who had, you know, maybe lower mental capacity or for a sure. very young kid. Gomer Pyle. You know I mean? Yeah. 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 You know what Shazam. I mean? It was somebody who, yeah, it was somebody who maybe had a learning disability or something. You know, they were reading the comic books instead of reading a novel. You know what I mean? It was sort of a slap in the face how it was portrayed in culture. So yes. when they came up with having this bound collected edition, which we'll say – uh, inside a bookstore sitting alongside of all these novels, now they changed the game because now you had an acceptable way to read this same material yes. along with a, you know, a novel per se. And that's where the term graphic novel really mm -hmm. gets its really gets its uh, its credence behind it, because, yeah, they are collected editions, 100 yeah. percent collected editions, because this was originally done individual issues. Mm -hmm. right and you're collecting them so in yeah. essence ElfQuest is a collected edition there's no argument there absolutely but absolutely. the idea be, the idea behind it how i originally read this thing was in two separate i guess collected editions we'll say and they were mm. they were colorized at my library and all that type of stuff i think sure. they were warp but 
I assumed that they were graphic novels because both of these things together, you know, created the almost the entire first original quest. That's that's how sure. I got onto ElfQuest. So mm-hmm. I assumed that they were graphic novels. They were in a, you know, in with the novels. They were in sure. with this, and they were called graphic novels. The section was mm-hmm. called. Yeah. But yeah. I think you're right on the money with the debate because this wasn't an original, you know, a work that wasn't originally intended to be in one bound edition. This was a series of books that are collected mm-hmm. into this edition. So I think you're right on the money with what you're saying. Yeah, it's serialized uh, comics, basically. I mean, yes. Would it's funny because like we we kind of uh, we hold up the word graphic novel here, like you mentioned here. It, it doesn't have the same stigma. Right. But it's like you'll ask people, "What's your favorite graphic novel?" and they'll say Watchmen, and it's like Watchmen's not a graphic novel. <laughs> it's not. Watchmen was 12 issues collected into a trade paperback or a hardcover. That's not a graphic novel. If you were to say my favorite is Marvel graphic novel number four, Void Indigo, it's like, okay, that's a graphic novel. That was something that was created to be its own thing. Right. But these collected editions, I mean, that's that's not that's not a graphic novel. It just isn't. It's a collected edition. Like, would you call – like, people will call Watchmen a graphic novel, but – like, say you're reading, okay, the other show that I do here, uh, X-Lapsed, say you have the Dawn of X Anthology Volume 1, which mm-hmm. collects six number one issues from the X-Men line of books. Would you call that graphic novel? No. no. Definitely not. Definitely no, not. No, that's a collected edition. That's a trade paperback. But, it's but the same thing as Watchmen. Here's an argument for you. Mm-hmm. Here's an argument for you. So – we're in the middle of, you know, writing for the trade. Every single thing oh, is, yeah. you know, pushing towards that collected edition. So single issues are no longer self-contained. You know what I mean? No. They are being driven to build this collected edition. So mm-hmm. technically, you know, I, I guess some of our arguments become invalidated when you consider that today's pattern of writing are built almost for, to, for, for a graphic mm-hmm. novel type principle. And, you know. Sure. The the individual single issues are more of a pain in the ass than anything. It's just, you know, it's their they're making their money off the trades right now. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I guess the proper term is trade not. paperback. I, I think that's where we should go. Trade is, is proper probably the proper term and graphic novel has become redundant, I think. Yeah. Like would you would you refer to manga as a graphic novel? I mean that's like ten or so chapters from like a weekly shonen jump or whichever weekly, you know, Japanese uh, publication just being collected. It's weird. I've never been able to get into manga because I, do, I don't really where, – where I don't collect it, you know, issue <laughs> to issue or, or book to book or whatever or trade, you know, collections I should say put together. Mm-hmm. They don't – they read – they don't really read like like a collected American graphic novel, you know what I mean, with a self-contained story and oh, all they that stuff. No, no it's they, sort of all don't. over the place. It doesn't really seem that even some of the stories that are in it that actually fit together, they are just a bunch of issues bound together and sometimes not even in a proper order, <laughs> which I found recently. It's true. It's true. Now, we do have more from uh, Archie here, a note of epic importance, um, in which we have a picture of Archie. It looks like – it almost looks like a uh, like a Hembeck drawing, but I don't think it is a Hembeck drawing. <laughs> but he's going to like Hembeck, Cutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it is him though. Uh, he's riding on the back of a sheep instead of a wolf. Okay, maybe a wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't know. Um, yeah, why not? And he tells us all about some other epic happenings here. He name drops a whole bunch of epic books here, which you know really makes you take notice that Marvel was really, really working this epic thing. 
Oh, right. man, were they ever. I mean, we have we have quite a lineup here. Alien Legion, Black Dragon, Coyote, Dreadstar, Moonshadow, Sisterhood of Steel, Six from Sirius 2, Starstruck, The Swords of the Swashbucklers, The One, Time Spirits, Dreadstar and Company, Grew the Wanderer, and ElfQuest. Lots of us. You notice a lot of that had like a lot of sword and sorcery. You know what I yes. mean? It seemed yes. like, you know, we had Black Dragon, which is basically Robin Hood, you know, and his and his King band Arthur. of yeah. yeah, and his mighty man and King Arthur melded together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is which is an interesting concept. And if you've I've actually read a few of these issues now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I as soon as I see these names in the book, if I have these issues handy, I'm gonna read these things. So nice. I dipped into Black Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, beautifully rendered book. I mean, some of the art in this book, definitely early, early days of photo reference, I'm going to say, because, okay. you know, some of the visuals are impossible for somebody to just sit down and really create a human character that looks that realistic. And Black Dragon has some beautiful, beautiful art in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically a bag of crap, and I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's very, very text heavy. So if you're not into – if you're into action – don't look at Black Dragon. It's a lot of, you know, politically political intrigue. It's a lot of dialogue and, hey, we're going to toss a dragon and maybe one sword fight in there, and that's an issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. not exactly. But if you're into, listen, if you're into King Arthur, if you're into the Robin Hood stories and all that stuff, it's an interesting spin on it. So, you know, sure. go, go ahead and dig in. Now, the other yeah. one, mm-hmm. uh, Swords of the Swashbuckler. That's another one. That that's the uh, the female pirates in space type of deal, and that's that's uh, that's a pretty fun book. But I covered a couple a little bit in detail here a little bit a little bit later on as we'll get into. Yeah. Just yeah, For just sure. carry on. Yep. For sure. Um, now it's it's amazing how they how much work they put into the epic thing here. When it's I, I miss this kind of thing because we don't. I mean, I guess the the industry has changed quite a bit now. We have independent publishers. We have self-publishing. So we're probably never going to see anything like this again. Marvel did try to have their – they tried bringing Epic back when Bill Jemis did his silly thing, which didn't really do much. Uh, Then they also did um, the Icon line. Do you remember the Icon line? Yes, where, that's John Byrne and the gang, right? No, no, no. That that was uh that was uh boy, what the hell was Legend? That was Legend over. Oh, Dark Legend. Place. Okay, no, I don't remember Icon. Talk to me. Now, Icon was something that Marvel put together in order to keep some of their top. I think they were calling them the architects at the time. That their top creators happy here. So, like you would have Mark Miller doing um, Kickass, you know? Oh, and that oh would okay, be yeah, Icon. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You'd have Brian Bendis doing uh, Powers. And that would be Icon. I think Ed Brubaker did something on Icon here. Short-lived. Um, it uh, didn't really go as far as I think they wanted it to. I think it was just a way to keep their creators happy and keep them from venturing outside of the, the Marvel you know, milieu here. But uh, basically everybody they did that to cater to did leave. So <laughs> didn't, uh, I mean, Mark Miller is doing all his stuff over at, uh, at Image now, I believe, and just just killing it and, and making probably making money hand over fist. Bendis is over at DC. Uh, Brubaker's, you know, just killing it with the crime stuff. So, yeah, it, uh, the Icon line didn't do all that great. Um, so how, many, did, how long did it go on for? How long did Icon go? Um, you know, I don't know because this was like right around one of the times where I, I was like out of comics for a bit. So gotcha. it might have lasted like four or five years maybe. Uh, for okay, gotcha. Uh, from here, we go into our bullpen bulletins here and we start with something adorable. Um, how to read 
the X-Men and the New Mutants this summer. And, oh, boy. Uh, Good they luck. give us a roadmap. They give us a roadmap on how to navigate the X-Books when there were only two of them. Could you imagine? Um, now the, <laughs> what this, would you do? This would be the shortest episode of X-Lapsed ever. Oh, boy. I mean, this uh, roadmap is written by Anne Nascenti at the behest of Louise Simonson because uh, they needed a scorecard to keep track of the eight X-Men books coming out over the summer of 1985. Boy. It's not an impossibility for us to have weeks nowadays where we get near that many X-Books. So <laughs> over the course of an entire summer, I mean, that's like, boy, that's like nothing. Uh, we've got New Mutants 34, then X-Men number uh, 199, then X-Men Alpha Flight 1, X-Men Alpha Flight 2, then New Mutants Special number 1, X-Men Annual number 9, X-Men number 200, and then New Mutants number 35. So that's your summer of X, 1985. Now. What did did you read much of this? I'm sure I read all of it. Oh, it's been boy. forever, but I'm sure I read all of it. X-Men 199 and 200. I mm-hmm. mean, the trial of Magneto the first time around. Yeah, trial of Magneto when you had uh was Romita Jr on this book at this yes. time? Yes. Oh, damn, that's why I hate this so much. Cuz I, <laughs> I I remember the cover to 199 and I guess it's Phoenix on the cover, really really shittily drawn, I think. And you know, it's She's got the Phoenix power all around her, but she's got that John Romita, you know, where she's completely red from head to toe. And she's got the just the white eyes and, you know, the yeah. the demon ponytail sort of thing coming out of the back. Oh, man, I just I could not stand <laughs> this era. What did you think of it? Did you like that at the time? Um, The art has uh, is, is uh, it's comfort food for me, but I can definitely yeah, yeah. I could definitely acknowledge that uh, it is what it is. Um, the, uh, issue 200 was really good. Um, the trial of Magneto here where he's put on, on trial for his crimes, basically. And, uh, this is around the time where they started to kind of flesh him out a bit and turned him into a good guy, which is something they're playing with in the current year stuff, uh, even as we speak. And we're actually headed to another trial of Magneto, uh, this summer into the fall, I believe. So. And Inferno's coming back. They're recycling all the old classic Mm storylines, but, hmm. Yeah, at least in name. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's either going to be interesting or it's going to be horrible. So, so do we do we know what Inferno was going to be? We have some ideas. Um, there was a a scene early in the post Hoxpox era, the Dawn of X era, where uh, Mystique promises to burn Krakoa to the ground. And yeah. uh, for folks not following those books, uh, the X Men and all of mutants, or most of mutants, live on the island of Krakoa now. Uh, there's 200,000 mutants on Krakoa. They've turned it into a nation of sorts. So uh, their whole thing is about uh, resurrection now. And uh, Mystique's lover, Destiny, they will not allow her to be resurrected because she's a precog. And uh, she'll be able to figure out some of the deep, dark secrets of uh, Krakoan society. And they do not want that. Mm. What they What they don't realize is that Destiny had diaries in which she already saw everything. And she already told Mystique what was going to happen. So Mystique knows what's going to happen and uh, was told in no uncertain terms that if if Xavier and the crew do not allow Destiny to be brought back to life, she is to burn Krakoa to the ground. So Ooh. that's what we're thinking Inferno might be. So that, I, I uh, think I might be interested. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely paying off something that we've wanted paid off for a very long time at this point. Now, of, of note in this batch, you, got, you also got New Mutants 34. Which is a pretty pretty cool issue. I recall this one because Magic is on the cover, and I always loved, you know, anything with Magic on it. I always dug, especially mm-hmm. when it came to New Mutants, because they were about as boring as it came. 
to be quite honest with you. And magic was one of those bright spots where I was like, okay, who's the girl with the sword and the, you know, the, the metal armor. And this was (laughs) the one where, you know, warlock actually tracks down, um, you know, magic in limbo and attacks her because he thinks he's a traitor. Cause everybody here at this point is possessed by karma. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was possessed by the shadow King, I believe. Yeah. Who is, yes. I think that's this correct. is when yeah. she was like 400 pounds. Like, <laughs> yes. And, uh, Bill Sinkevich drew her very, very creepily. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Very yeah. weird. Yeah. But yeah, some, there was some fun stuff in there. I, sure. I mean, I was collecting all these back in the day, so I kind of had some fun stuff, but they also had X-Men versus Alpha or X-Men Alpha Flight, not versus Alpha Flight. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Not anyway, great. Not great. That the better. Carry on, carry on, sir. We we also have the mighty Marvel Summer Convention calendar here. Um, remember when comic conventions were a thing? Man, yeah, maybe I, we'll get back to that sometime. Maybe, maybe, and I bet you all of these places actually had comic books at it. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have what, that no, these days. What, no Funko Pops? No Funko mean? Pops, no uh, no movie trailers, you know. Uh, oh, no, uh, you know, no 500 Deadpool and Harley Quinn cosplayers. So. Oh, uh, <laughs> There are other characters than Deadpool and Harley Quinn, folks. Yes, uh, there are. Now, these are the Colorado Comic Art Convention, the American Heroes Convention in Detroit, Chicago Comic Con, which I think was taken over and, and kind of made icky by Wizard, um, the Dallas Fantasy Festival, the Houston Comics Fair, the Atlanta Fantasy Fair, and, of course, San Diego Comic Con, probably back when they actually had comics there. So Heaven forbid. Now... Imagine. It's 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 interesting to see the lineups without seeing, you know, Wizard Con and different things like that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which would become, you know, the standard bearer as we, you know, crept in through the late nineties and different things like that. So interesting to see which ones exist and which ones don't exist today and some pretty oh, cool yeah. pretty cool notes there. Because yeah, I think I, I don't have much time for conventions now. I, I the last one I went to was like twenty sixteen and I was very, very disappointed in uh, just, what was there. They're just not based in comic books anymore. That's the no. problem. They're they're everything but. You know, they're the yeah. movies. They're the you know, you'll get some trades and all that for sale and might be able yep. to get some, you know, dollar or dollar bint. Yeah, that oh jeez. Yeah, the slab books. Because I, I went to a comic stand there and uh and I actually asked the guy, Where are the comics? And he's like, They're right here and it was just slabbed crap and I'm like, dude, where are comics? You know? Where, I, yeah, where can I actually you know, read something to read. Yeah, it's something to read. Boy, but uh, we also have our mighty Marvel checklist here. Um, I'm gonna try to stay awake during this one here. Uh, Eternals number one. Mm. Eternals number one. One of twelve. Oh, twelve. Could you imagine? Jesus, a limited series. That's not a limited series, man. That that's that got more issues than you know some What's series Marvel is now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, most issues are canceled before issue 12 right now, and Eternals, of all shit, got 12 <laughs> back in the 80s. Now, I've, I've been talking about this ever since they made the announcement of, you know, the Eternals coming to the MCU. And yeah, you yeah. know what? Sitting in my long box, I definitely have this stupid 12 issues Me of too. the Eternals. And it is some crappy stuff man this is why i hate the eternals i i never liked them but no. what's funny you know we talk about the eternals you know it's uh kirby's big creation after coming back from dc it's what lured him back he was going to be able to do his own thing create a whole new brand of characters and lore and after he left the new gods he came to marvel and he basically carried that entire theme over basically yeah 
to the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Holy ding dong. Now you can say what you want. The Kirby stuff is of its time sure. and you know, it's bright, it's bombastic, it's Kirby, it's what you'd expect. And it's, it's reasonably fun, but it's self-contained and inoffensive and it doesn't really interact with the rest of, you know, the Marvel universe, honestly, with the exception of, you know, some celestial action and different things like that. Sure. Sure. This thing was their attempt to bring (laughs) the Eternals mainstream into the Marvel Universe back in the 80s. Now, you know, Shooter's got his his tongue because, I mean, Shooter is a Kirby guy and he's like, okay, we're going to bring some of these themes back in. And he brought it back with Sal Buscema on pencils. And I know a lot of folks love Sal Buscema. He's not John Buscema. No, sir. The the man who does basically kept Marvel alive after (laughs) Ditko and, and Kirby went away. Yep. It's his... His good brother, Sal, is it not? I think so. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. sure. Yeah, and he's doing his best Jack Kirby. I mean, you talk about the tech, you talk about the look of the, you know, the costuming and all that stuff. He's trying, Mm -hmm. but it's what I call the the downfall of Sal Buscema, because, I mean, this is lazy Buscema at its best, and you got, like, Icarus, who basically looks like He-Man in this He looks just like He-Man. He is actually He-Man, and he's battling a whole bunch of of trolls or, or mm-hmm. you know, underground dwellers and all that stuff. Her and beasts, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. Double <laughs> chin monsters. It's a mess, folks. And, yeah. you know, it's all about, it's almost like a battle royal where he goes underground and he's got to, you know, battle in this arena of the gods, basically. And he, you know, he's got the championship Eternals belt on him in the whole nine yards. <laughs> It's unbelievable how bad this actually is. So if you're an Eternals fan, uh, before you see the movie, by all means, check this uh, 12-issue miniseries out. I wouldn't even pay for it. Rob it somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to actually save you money for not buying that Eternals ticket after you buy this. Because I guarantee you, you will not want any more after you read issue (laughs) one to two. Terrible track. About uh, Busema aping Kirby here, it's like Kirby's art isn't for everybody, right? Um, No, no. Uh, that's definitely he's an acquired taste in a way uh of course he's important but i mean if you if you're being honest about whether or not you like the art that's that's one thing altogether here but when you ape kirby you lose the charm whatever charm it had um i compare it to uh you know rob liefeld another one who uh, you yes. like his art you don't like his art yep. there there are there are you know camps on either side but I think I hate saying I think we can all agree because that's very presumptive. Um, but when you see someone aping Liefeld, it's missing the Liefeldian charm. You know, yeah. good, yeah, bad, indifferent. It does. It's it's lacking the heart and soul of a Liefeld drawing. Which I mean, people are probably laughing at just the very thought. But Buscema sure. doing Kirby is the same way. It's like Kirby, like him, don't like him, dig him, love him, adore him. Seeing someone do his style is not always uh the the charm in the heart very rarely translates well what's so funny what's funny empty. about what's funny about busima here is that sal busima i mean literally you go back to some of his earlier marvel work it's outstanding because he's aping his yeah. own brother okay yes. he's he's yes. trying to be john busima and he's really good he keeps mm-hmm. up there's times when i'm completely convinced that it's john busima still drawing this oh, yeah. stuff you know what i mean Oh yeah. Here he I, tries I to adopt his own the style. Brothers. Yes. Mm-hmm. This looks like Larry Lieber on the Spider-Man <laughs> Sunday, uh, <laughs> Sunday papers. That's what this looks like, man. It's so very plainly drawn. Like when he's not drawing Kirby Tech, 
It's literally Larry Lieber from the from the Sunday <laughs> Sunday afternoon strips. It is that bad. Oh, that's great. Oh, you're right though. God. You're you're totally right. Man. Now another thing we have is uh is everybody's favorite now. Everybody's favorite that they probably didn't even realize it was a comic book until uh, <laughs> until they were told it was. Um Vision in the Scarlet Witch number one. Um yep. I don't I don't remember which of the boring miniseries this was, but it's one of them. Um this is funny because um you know, I, I go to comic shops fairly often. Um, I'm in comic shops at least, you know, uh, at least once a week. You know, I, I don't buy my weeklies at the at the comic shop unless it's something I left off my mail order. But I'm in there just checking the bins and just doing my thing and seeing what I might have missed. And they are starting to make these Vision in the Scarlet Witch books um, wall books. They're putting them on the wall. Uh, are you these, serious? What are the value of these right now? Okay, okay. Now here's the thing. These <laughs> things, go, folks. Vision and the Scarlet Witch number seven or number eight was my first ever comic book. The first one I ever bought with my own money because I don't know. I liked the cover. I bought it. And, I and you continued. Really yeah, I mean, and I stuck with comics, believe it or not. Wow. So you are you are more of a man than I, sir. <laughs> that was my first one here. And you know, as I was getting into uh, discovering the glory that. And dime these things, these vision and the Scarlet Witch issues would be just they would be teeming with these things. Gotcha. You couldn't go to a quarter bin without without vision and scarlet witches in there. You just couldn't. Uh, at least not where I was. So these things were not worth the paper they were printed on. Well, you put out a show that uh, I have no idea if it has anything to do with the comic or not. I, I I'm not gonna watch it, but uh now, Vision and the Scarlet Witch number one, I saw it on the wall the other day for $100. Shut your mouth. Are you serious? $100. I saw a bound collection, like a like a shrink-wrapped collection of the 12-issue miniseries, $175. Oh, man, not worth the paper it's printed on. I mean, that this is, is wow. A year ago, you would have been able to get that 12-issue miniseries for $3. In a if, yes. If that. And if that. Yep. Yep. And I mean, literally with, uh, I mean, even graded editions would be that. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's that is absolutely foolish. ridiculous. So, I mean, I mean, WandaVision was one of those things that really, it, you know, it, it came on like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons uh, that it was so popular was because it was at the start of the pandemic. It was a little bit of Marvel action when there was nothing on the big screen. Okay, so you had you had a hostage audience. You did. You did. So whether this thing was really good or really bad, it didn't matter because it was the only thing that they were serving up hot to you. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, everybody and their dog became, you know, Vision and Scarlet Witch fans because it was everything oh. was oh House of M and Vision and Scarlet Witch and. <laughs> All this Wanda talk, and I mean, it would it would make you sick to your stomach because nobody gave a crap about these people before, it's and now true. she's yeah, and now she's one of the you know the head Avengers that they're trying to push. Come on, let's get out of yeah. this. It's true, it's true, and I, I, I can't speak to whether or not the show is good or bad. So it's I mean, it's, I, it's it's pretty good. It so mm-hmm. uh, funny. Uh, I listen to Rob Liefeld's you know podcast quite a sure. bit. 
and he was super hit, like super motivated about WandaVision and the twists and turns that this thing takes. Because, I mean, you know, they do a lot of different things, you know, lead, drop a lot of mystery, you know, a lot of build up to this end. And they even teased that this was going to be the debut of the X-Men in the MCU proper. OK, so everybody's hanging their hat on, you know, my God, who's you know, who's it going to be? Who's the you know person behind all this? Is it Magneto? Everyone was waiting for, mm -hmm. you know, that red helmet and that cape to show up, you know, the purple. Couldn't wait. And it wasn't. And not only wasn't it, it was the one of the biggest anti-climatic endings. And, I mean, people were literally on the verge of rioting going, what a waste <laughs> of my time and life this was. What was the reveal? Well, the reveal was that it was... Uh, Agnes Harkness, you know, Agatha Harkness. Oh, Agatha Harkness. Oh, who It was Agatha a, oh. all along. And she was orchestrating this whole thing. Now, Wanda had kept people basically hostage to build a perfect life for herself because the Vision had been killed in, mm -hmm. uh, in one of the MCU movies. So she wanted to recreate her life with the Vision in this happy, you know, self-contained utopia. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? With all her childhood memories, her TV shows, she lived the perfect life that you see on TV and have everybody in town under a trance as her basically her minions doing her bidding. But it was Agatha who got up to it, you know, who got her up to it all along was behind it. Not Magneto, not, you know, huh. the X-Men. Now, they did Agatha. bring back Quicksilver. Yeah, it was Agatha Oof. all along. And they even had a song. It was Agatha all along. Oh, you're People. serious? were pissed wow and that, that story uh sounds a lot like the uh the phoenix resurrection story where they brought <laughs> jean gray back because she was in this idyllic version of uh yep. the world um being kept there by the phoenix yes because uh he was the phoenix was trying to keep her uh safe to when it was going to come back and, and take her as a host again it sounds very very similar remarkably similar yeah. um it's it's not a bad story and it's got some basis in house of m and different things mm -hmm. like that but uh yeah they really really had people hooked i mean week to week they were really really getting people back hooked and involved and mm. uh boy did they drop the ball the ending did not land and i mean liefeld actually came out and just abonished the show <laughs> just like saying wow they they really didn't stick this landing and i'll never be caught with my you know my pants down again just with these expectations and i mean wow. the stars the stars on the show i mean uh you know elizabeth olsen who plays wanda on the mm -hmm. show came out and said that they were going to have a luke skywalker level reveal okay now what okay. they're talking about is luke skywalker shows up in the mandalorian spoilers oh. and you know Yes, and rocks, you know, rock the internet, basically. I mean, it was an explosion. Holy crap, it's Luke, it's the X-Wing, he's got the lightsaber, it's old school. It's mm -hmm. what everybody wanted in the beginning from Star Wars. Sure. And then they go ahead and they say it's a Luke Skywalker level reveal, and, and it was Agatha. And it's a character who I'm sure 95% of the people watching that show had never, ever, ever, ever heard of. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Wow. And the comics fans who watched that show didn't care. Nope. Nope. Boy, did that get dropped like a hot rock. Hey, because like, yeah. when we'd be reading issues of Avengers and it would like cut over to Agatha Harkness's house where she's talking to Wanda, we usually gloss over those pages. Yes. Because they're boring. <laughs> oh, and yes. And there was a lot of boringness in this. Yes. <laughs> now, yeah, that reminds me. I'm talking about the, the wall books now. 
the West Coast Avengers, where Vision gets his white costume. Yep. I saw that on the wall, not graded, for $75 the other day. So WandaVision is the debut on screen of White Vision. Ah. See? That's a quarter book, if that. If, if you, that. If, some, now, if someone I, tries I to sell you that. Copies. Oh, I'm sure I do, too. If someone tries to sell you that for folding money, kick them in the nuts. <laughs> in the nuts, like both. Mm-hmm. Make sure you connect with two of them. Both of them, yes. Dropkick. <laughs> Boy. Um, back to the Mighty Marvel checklist here. We have uh, The Life of Captain Marvel, number three. Mm. Eh, you know, they were yeah. they were doing the miniseries, you know. Mm. Uh, the last one we got here, because, I mean, everything is just, it's a, it's, an, it's, a, it's a series and a number, basically. Uh, we have Marvel Graphic. Number 17, The Revenge of the Living Monolith. Now, this is actually a graphic novel because it was written as a graphic novel, but uh, what do you remember about The Living Monolith? I have never read this. Have you read this? I've, I've literally I'm never touched sure it. I'm pretty sure I have because of uh, The Living Monolith's uh, ties to Havoc. Mm. Uh, I couldn't tell you a thing about it, but um, I'm pretty this sure. This was a I legit have. graphic novel. So if you're talking graphic novels, this mm-hmm. is legit self-contained story Marvel released as a graphic novel. So yep. this is the definition of pure graphic novels. I've, I've never cracked it before. I know what it is and know what it looks like. Yeah. I have no idea what's inside. So maybe Probably some of our missing. listeners could, could back us up on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But from here we have our epic focus and uh, that'll, we'll, we're going to go deep into a few of these epic books here. Uh, we've got Dreadstar and Company number four, which is oddly not labeled as a miniseries. Well, it wouldn't be a long, that, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be around long enough for us to worry about. So it's true. Uh, we have Starstruck number four, which is mm-hmm. the, uh, I think this is the Elaine, uh, Elaine Lee or Elaine Coletta or something like that. Uh, Black Dragon number four, which we talked about, and this yep. is labeled as a miniseries. Thankfully, uh, mercifully, grew <laughs> the Wanderer number eight. Beautiful. Then we go into. Sisterhood of Steel number five. How about you? Uh, how about you <laughs> go? Right. You go deep on the yeah. sisterhood here. Now I want our listeners to get comfortable. <laughs> I want you to get yourself a pillow. I want you to get yourself a large bag of pills. <laughs> I want you to take them before I dive into Sisterhood of Steel number five. Okay. So I'm doing my homework. I'm pushing the epic pen here. I'm trying my best to go back and to revisit epic comics. So Sisterhood of Steel number five, my first foray into this series. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brother, this book is super woke before woke is even a cool thing. Okay. So it's all about a female society uh, of warriors. A okay. sisterhood, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, of only women, or, or so we think, you know, a group of warriors who they don't need no man to survive. Now, they're just a part, a smaller part of like a larger kingdom they inhabit. OK, mm-hmm. we follow a female warrior named Borrowy or Boronwy. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. boring. That's what I would say. <laughs> and uh, man, like basically she. She's, she's a warrior. She's got all kinds of personal troubles, and she's in love with, get this, a uh, a member of a group of slavers. Okay. So there's a group of slavers who capture the ladies, and you know they put them into slavery for different things like this, and she actually falls in love with one of them. So we almost got like a Romeo and Juliet type of situation here. Of course we do, because you know when it comes to ladies, it always has to be a love story. You know what I mean? There's, sure. there's, there's nothing else here. So I mean <laughs> – Basically, what happens here, 
Vandalus, who is this large female warrior, she's the China of the group, okay? She declares mm. war against this group of slavers. So they go to court and they go, oh, you can't go, you know, we got to put these guys in jail. They're stealing our women. They're, you know, they're raping all our, all our girls here and all that stuff. They need to be put to justice. And of course, the court is filled with men. So they just roll their eyes at the ladies and they go, no, no, there's nothing hissy here, you know, carry on. The slavers can continue on. So basically they're showing that, you know, men don't pay attention to women, and so they're fighting for their rights within this uh, within this kingdom. Okay, they're shunned, but they're gonna fight because they're sisters. Okay, they're they're got a lot of stuff here, and I'm really, really, really cutting up my uh, my my writing here. So we also <laughs> discover, listen to this, one of the bums on the street was actually one of the sisters who oh. did not marry but became pregnant, and she Ooh. was banned. So here she is. She's a member of this, you know, independent women's group. But she got cast away because she was pregnant and she wanted to hide. How progressive is this? She should have went to HR for that. (laughs) You're exactly right. That's exactly (laughs) what this is. So, you know, when when you look at this, I mean, this is uh, this is a whole lot of wokeness. This was something that would throw if this book came out in 2021, this would be one of those ones that would be so high on the list of, you know, our, our feminist readers and all that type of stuff. And nobody would read it again. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the, our, our readers, our, our listeners are still awake. But I do not recommend this book at all. It's It's good to look at. Good to look at, but man, I'm telling you, one thing that I did like, though, was the letter page, okay? Okay. So you get one guy who's so into this book that he's in a deep conversation about, like, female society and how it's mm-hmm. populated. And he actually demands the the authors of this particular uh, title for an entire map of the land so he can oversee the entire kingdom and where everybody lives and their castes. So you know what? Yeah, you know what? If anyone says comics are comic readers are nerds, yeah, you know what? This guy just proved it. We are we are nerds, Chris. This <laughs> he, idiot just proved it right here. He wants it so he can do his uh, he can have a D and D campaign on it. Oh man! So I'll tell you what. If you've got Sisterhood of Steel, beautiful looking book. Uh, you know, if you're if you are into, in all fairness, if you are into the female warrior concept, if you're into feminism, if you're into the whole, you know, female warrior type of thing, maybe this is for you. It's got a Romeo and Juliet type of type of story. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of action, to be quite honest with you, a lot of sword play and different things like that, woman on woman violence. So if that's your thing, give it a go. That's what I've added. I, I won't bury <laughs> it completely. There you go. Uh, of course, we have Elf Quest number three, which we've uh, I think we've discussed already. Uh, Alien Legion number nine, which uh, I, I found a bunch of the Alien Legions in in a grab bag, and uh, so yes. I probably have this one. It's yeah, I, I don't I couldn't tell you much about it though. Do you remember oh, anything about man, Alien I'm Legion? I'm telling you, Alien Legion is that title that you see everywhere in your collection. Like you might find yeah. it in a stack of a pile. Like you mm-hmm. say, a box of comics you might buy, and you know, on a random whim there might be. A, but I don't know if I've read one single. Either. I don't think so either. Hmm. It reminds me of uh, like like issues of Power Pack that just wind up in my house. It's like, how did this get here? Yes. It's well, like I'll it's... tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge myself next week. To does it go to issue ten? Because I it believe goes so. Issue... Okay, so because uh, I think there's 10. like an Alien Legion two uh, as well. So yeah, okay. I think it, so it continues. That's gonna be my book report for next week. Nice. I I, I, I bowed to the Sisterhood of Steel, so I will report <laughs> on Alien Legion and give you the goods. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, from here, we go into our ads here. Um, All right. Fig Newtons. Oh, 
what do you think of this, man? Listen, this was one of these these treats that are heavily advertised on Saturday morning cartoons. Sure. Big Saturday morning cartoon kid. So I did want these instantly. Whatever I saw there, whatever breakfast cereals, whatever toys, I wanted it. I was their their target demo audience, okay? Same here. Mm-hmm. So Fig Newton's made its way into the house. Now, because, I, you know, I... I couldn't wait. I was like, oh, man, they look so good. You know, are mm-hmm. they like a cookie with, you know, a nice filling in the middle? They were not good. I just can't imagine kids having a craving over a Fig Newton, like the the, the cookie portion of it or the, the, the cookie portion that covers it just tastes like crap. It's very cardboardy. The, uh, yeah, it really, really is. And, and the filling is actual is actually fig, and it's yep. like they don't have enough sweetener or sugar, and it just tastes like fig. That's not good. Like it's so weird. I, 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 what show? I think it was Superstore. Uh, they were talking like, why did they start with fig? And yes. That's a great question. It's like, who? I'm, I'm sure the first time I ever realized that there was a fruit called a fig was because of Fig Newtons. Yes. I, I don't. I, I know I've never eaten a fig on its own. I've had Fig Newtons, of course. Um, I think they're, uh, they're okay. Again, they're not yep. something I would, uh, I would take over something else. I'll tell you why. Especially if you had, like, they're so healthy, right? If you had an Oreo, what do you pick? Mm-hmm. An Oreo or Fig Newton? Oh, I'm taking I'm taking I'm taking the Oreo without the cream before a Fig Newton. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> How about a Twinkie? Oh, same thing. Same yeah, thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's I'm, take the cream out and all. I'm just going yeah, for the just the sponge. Just cake. the sponge. Because I mean, I think Fig <laughs> Newtons try to like trick us into thinking we're eating something healthy, but they're <laughs> exactly. they're just as high in calories and fat as all the other cookies. So that's it's what like, I mean. Like, what like are if you you're saying? gonna spend, yeah, if you're gonna spend all those calories, then you know have have something have something with substance to it. I will say yeah, that the the brand name Fig Fig Newtons are a lot better than the store brand Fig Newtons because if you buy the store brand like the Walmart brand Fig Newtons, you'll every once in a while or actually almost every single cookie you'll bite into a seed. Like a fig seed, you'll be like crunch, and it's like, oh, and it'll get stuck in your your molas, and you'll have fig seed in your molas for the rest of the day. I guess, but, I guess the the alleged alleged allegedly the sweatshop didn't manage to catch those during the making of those things. <laughs> Their grinder is a little off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that kid didn't press down hard enough with his teeth <laughs> or feet. Yes, he fell out of the bucket. Um, <laughs> a movie called The Heavenly Kid. You ever you ever hear or see it? <laughs> I do recall renting this off the shelf. So I, I really Tom wanted. Hanks? What? No, it's not Hanks? Tom Hanks. No, 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 no. It uh, it stars Lewis Smith, Jason Geddick, and Jane Kazmarek. I don't know who the heck these people are. It well, doesn't. None of them. Yeah, it looks like Tom Hanks, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I thought it was Tom Hanks. So basically, it's the Fonz becomes a guardian angel. Okay. It's basically a guardian angel named Bobby Fantana. Now, he died in a car race back in the 60s, but <laughs> he can come back as a guardian angel if he reluctantly agrees to watch over, you know, 80s nerd high schooler who's, you know, who who needs guidance on how to be cool. So it's basically dead Fonz trying to teach Richie Cunningham how to be cool with the chicks. Oh. Hey, Richie. <laughs> hey, yo, Richie. Whoa. No. Oh, it's, uh, it's no good. It's no good. Yeah, doesn't sound good. But it's okay. 80s fair. So you know what? I remember it fondly. I remember seeing it on the wall. And yeah, so Lewis Smith is Bobby Fantana, a.k.a. the Fonz, a.k.a. Tom Hanks. So there you go. 
<laughs> I'm hoping that there were like a there were there was like a bad like preppy guy in there named Chad. <laughs> I'm hoping that the it ended with somebody driving a car through a concession stand during homecoming. I mean, that, that's like every 80s movie to me. Um, well, here's the deal. So, so this is the deal. So, you know, uh, the kid he's helping out is named Lenny. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, of course, Lenny always has a crush on the popular girl named oh, Sharon, the most yeah. beautiful girl in class. And guess what? Do you think mm. that? Do you think that put old, good old? Um, um, do you think that that girl gives a shit about Lenny? <laughs> Probably not in the beginning. <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance does she give a shit. Sharon doesn't care if Lenny existed. So, of course, Bobby, who is the guardian angel, has to dress Lenny up. you got to make him a playboy and this tough guy. You know what I mean? Do we get so, a montage of him trying on clothes? You get all the classic <laughs> 80s stuff. You get the music. You get him trying on the stuff. You get, you know, the Fon shaking his head. Oh, no way. We ain't doing that. <laughs> Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. This is this is this is cla- like you've seen this movie a hundred times, even though sure. you've probably never seen it. It's Absolutely. it's been done so many times. It's like you know. Uh, anyway, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Less said the better. I've told you too much. <laughs> we we know we have uh we have unlawful knowledge now. Um, we have an ad for Nestle Quick featuring Steve Garvey. What the hell? I'm a Canadian, okay? So I don't get any of the buzz whatsoever over baseball, okay? Mm-hmm. So when it came to, like, baseball giveaways and all the hype, it always seemed dreadful to me or pointless. I, I never really understood it. So Steve Garby may as well have been Steve Allen. I didn't. I could have cared less, you know what I mean? <laughs> plus, plus, if you, this whole ad is about you get a baseball. I mean, was it even signed? But guess what? It was not only wasn't signed. I mean, if it was signed by Steve Allen, I probably would have took that, but it wasn't. <laughs> but it was imprinted with his yes. signature. <laughs> imprinted. He he's got a very uh, steady hand, <laughs> or so or a really good machine. Yeah. So yeah. basically, you got a net. You know, when you buy Nestle Quick, I don't know how many you had to buy to get the Dollar Shop baseball with you know <laughs> Steve Gervy probably etched <laughs> into it. That's uh, that, if we ever had like a quest today scavenger hunt, oh. like uh, like get find us that Steve Garvey. Take a picture of yourself with the Steve Garvey baseball. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get into that a little bit later. If you're talking about a scavenger <laughs> hunt, there's one thing that I want to know. I'll tell you what. Ooh. Yes, uh, we'll get okay. there. <laughs> Keep going. Next we have Winna Schwinn from Tootsie Roll. <laughs> did anyone big did... giant like turd Tootsie Rolls? <laughs> First of all, I want to know, did anybody win these bikes? Anybody? Oh, did, is there anybody in the known universe who read a comic back in, the, back in 1985 win one of these Schwinn bikes? If you do, this is part of our scavenger hunt, okay? Take a picture <laughs> of you and maybe the winner with that Schwinn bike. I would love to see it because I tell you what. I don't think anybody won these bikes. You remember those top banners they used to have on the Marvel oh, yeah. comics where it was win a bike and all that win stuff? I really – yeah, I love that thing, even though it took up, you know, a quarter of your cover trying to sell this stupid bike. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, I used to have a banana bike, a, ban- a, se- a banana seat bike. Okay. So, you know, one of those long ones. It was like a chopper, almost <laughs> like a uh, motorcycle chopper, okay, with the big wheel out front, extended, long yeah. banana seat. You could do wheelies for days. But the one thing that separated me in Clarenville, Newfoundland, I'll tell you what, was I had one of these motorized um, – 
I guess, rever things you put over the handle. And every Whoa. time, yeah, you could use it. You could rev it up, and it sounded like you had a motorcycle. So, <laughs> man, I was a cool dude going with my uh, powder blue. Well, not powder blue, electric blue banana Ooh. seat bike. Oh, yeah. It had the big frame in the back, too, so you could go right to the very end or have somebody else riding with you. I mean, oh. who wouldn't want to be seen with Chris Bailey in 1985? With the Coke bottle of glasses and the hair, hockey hair, parting down the middle, going down the streets of Clarenville, Newfoundland. I'll tell you what. <laughs> now, I think the bigger picture here, though, is yes. Tootsie Roll. Chris, in mm. one sound effect, I want you to describe your love of Tootsie Roll. Just one sound effect. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tootsie Rolls suck. <laughs> can you Seriously, can you eat more than one Tootsie Roll at a time? No, and I mean, are they? Are, I mean, they're brown, right? But are they chocolate? Yes. Are they chocolate? I don't know. I can't like tell you what the flavor of a tootsie roll is. Garbage, I think, is the taste of a tootsie roll. <laughs> they're really bad. And you know what's funny? You know, during the holidays, like you get oversized candy, like you get the giant size Toblerone bars. Oh yeah. You get the the giant size Kit Kat. I don't know if you guys get Kit Kat. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? You get the holiday specials. Well, one person gave somebody a giant size Tootsie Roll. You talk oh. about, I hate you in a Christmas gift. <laughs> oh my God. Who in the hell would eat a small Tootsie Roll front to back or a regular size one off the stand, let alone a 900 megaton Tootsie Roll. Could you imagine? Oh my oh. God. Oh boy. Yeah. I, and it's like I've asked people this before, like what flavor is a Tootsie Roll? And they all say chocolate. And I'm like, are you sure? No, man. What kind of chocolate are you eating? You've been clearly yeah. eating stuff from the very dumpsters of the of the dollar store. <laughs> yes. Is that any this chocolate? Is stuff to the me? dollar store throws out. Oh, Ugh. man, life yeah. is too short for mid range candy, man. That's true. That's shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so we like talked about calories before with the Fig Newtons. Don't waste your calories on a Fig Newton. Have something yeah. good. And not Have a Tootsie Roll good. either. Fig Newtons and Tootsie Roll. Yeah. Just imagine those combined. <laughs> you talk about milk chocolate and peanut butter How about Tootsie Roll and Fig Newton Abomination yes. that, would be, that would be almost plutonium Almost like poison symbol on the package it's alchemy, yeah <laughs> Oh We've got the Transformers on Video cassette Yes F A G Family yes. Home Entertainment I can still hear that, uh, that dun, weird dun, dun, dun. Yep Really, they draw really the cool. lines and letters, yep. So what's funny, you know, when it comes to Transformers and G.I. Joe and different things like that, I didn't get these, these you know, shows until a little bit later after their initial runs in the States, okay? So they weren't part of our Saturday morning lineups at all. They gotcha. came after the fact. They came on basically as after-school shows, okay, in sure. syndication. So we did get them, but it came a little bit later. However, when they were airing in the States, we did get the VHS tape. So, you know, of course, we ran to the store and we could not wait to, you know, watch two episodes of G.I. Joe because they didn't cram it in. They didn't have a full season on these no, things. You're no. lucky to get two, maybe three episodes per tape. And, man, just the FHE brand, they had such franchises. I love them. They had G.I. Joe. They had Transformers. They had Robotech, Wicket. They actually did finish Robotech, but I'll tell you what. I don't think they've ever finished either series. Do you know if anyone has a anyone who has a complete FHE collection of GI Joe or Transformers? I don't think it existed. I doubt they. I doubt they made it. Yeah, because I mean there were uh, probably oh boy. Uh, I, when you think about GI Joe and Transformers, you think like those had hundreds of episodes, but they probably yeah. had like 
70, 80, I don't know. But do you but, think uh, any of them like were ever no. were available at all at any point on VHS? I don't think not so. Not until DVD, yeah, not until DVD. Yeah. Now, Robotech has been collected over and over and over oh, on VHS. Of times. But yeah. they started on FHE, so mm-hmm. I don't know if they were concluded by somebody else. I remember Palladium Books actually finished mm-hmm. off like the last generation, so maybe they gave up halfway through like normal. But anyway, that's all it I can say be. about that. And I mean, these things, uh, you'd have to, they were mostly renters because they'd be pretty expensive. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, oh my 80s, God. Yeah. Uh, oh, this you're is talking a, $75 a tape. Yeah, this is pre-Batman 89, where they, you know, started dropping prices for uh, video cassettes. This was Oof. expensive stuff. This is like if you wanted, like, to order, like, WrestleMania. It's like, oh, yeah, $120. What? Yeah, hell yes. Hell yeah. Worth every penny. <laughs> there you go. Especially if it's four, because you get two tapes then. Um, <laughs> and cut off right in the middle of Hogan and Andre. Ridiculous. Right in the middle of one of the biggest main events, and the, you go, yeah. you have to switch over to tape two. I guess the idea behind it is to actually get somebody to actually to to get up two. off their ass. Oh yeah. my God, it's in the middle of Hogan and Andre. We actually do have to switch tape. So I guess there's some thought put behind that. Could be, could be. The final ad we have here is for ripoff sneakers. Ah oh, man. Huh? The more I think about this idea, so let's talk about the idea. Let's yeah. talk about this ad here. What do we got here? Let me scroll to the ad here. All right, rip off sneakers. So you got a picture of a kid holding a little circle that says $2 off. Now, this mm-hmm. was ripped off his sneaker, okay? So picture a – you know what the shoes that old people wear with the little Velcro straps, two little Velcro like the, straps. Like the New Balances? Yeah, like they have Velcro straps. Or there's no laces. They just have mm-hmm. two little Velcro straps that go over the top, okay? Now, picture the Nike swoosh, and at the head of the <laughs> Nike swoosh. I was going to say, it's a ripoff of the Nike swoosh. Yes, there's a little little Velcro decal. Now, you can mm-hmm. switch these out and customize these, okay? And so this was the idea, that you could rip off this tag. Now, they also have this very, very mixed, happy family here. Oh, uh, yeah. With one, one stepchild there. I don't know. His name is Leroy. <laughs> but anyway, apparently he's part of this team. And he and really, Bob really, there, too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Boy, they really <laughs> went out of their way. They they got Bob Saget. Wow. Is is that little girl there special needs? No, I'm being serious now. I'm not even being disruptive. I think they do. I think they went out of their way with diversity on this one. They did. They did. Wow. Good job. Good job, ripoff sneakers. So there you go. That's not even a, that's not even a joke. Good for you. Mm-hmm. But anyway. This concept could be money, Chris. Just imagine if you started a a sneaker thing where you could literally put your own logo on them. You can customize them. So your Nike swoosh could become whatever you wanted. So if you were anime guy, you could have, you know, Akira on your shoes. Or if you were, you know, a a sports team, you could have your favorite, you know, your L.A. Raiders on on your side Mm -hmm. of your sneakers or whatever the case might be. You could have it on there. So concept wise, this is pretty genius. Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden. You see that you've named your sneakers ripoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you should ever sell your product with the term ripoff as your lead name. Oh, I don't know about you. Bloody no, 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 no. I, I love that at the bottom of this year they say, kids, call the ripoff special hotline. What? Yeah. And, yeah, and it's for, like for, and it's a long extra, distance call. For extra ripoff. <laughs> yes, and it's a long di- – can you imagine explaining that one to your parents? It's like it's like I had to call to find out where the ripoffs are. What are they going to tell you on this hotline? Seriously. What is it that they're telling you? <laughs> I really don't know. But either way, you could call Monday to Friday, you know, 9 to 5. 
and and too bad only one two dollar off coupon per order so uh and, and but they do say if you don't want to tear up your comic book here you could just uh write marvel comics offer on it so. oh we're gonna do something we're gonna do something you got the ad brought up now i do okay i'm gonna call the number on air we're gonna try oh. this again uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, give it to me. What's the number? It is one. Yes. Six one seven. Six one seven. Nine six three. Nine six three. Ninety one eighty eight. Ninety one eighty eight. And now we're gonna pop this over to speakerphone here. One moment. How do I get over here? Let's see. Keypad, speakerphone. Let's dial her up here. Okay, ready? Completed as dialed. Oh. Check the number and dial again. No. No. Savages. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that number here for us here. Maybe. Let's see. Maybe one six one seven. I don't want seven. Uh, boy. Uh, nine six three. And ninety one eighty eight. It's in Quincy, Massachusetts. Um. Yeah, it doesn't look like there's anybody attached to that number right now. But if you do Google that, uh, like a hundred versions of this ad come up. So, <laughs> <laughs> damn it, that's terrible. I thought we were going to have a boon. I thought I was getting myself a, a nice pair of rip-off sneakers for the oh, for the audience here. We're we're gonna have to look for more ads with phone numbers in them so we can uh, uh, so we can make some uh we can make some make some connections here. If in this nothing ad. else, I want to get a grit subscription. If nothing else is work, I guarantee you someone will answer at grit. They probably will because they, they probably want to. They probably have a uh, a compost toilet they're trying to sell. So. Uh. <laughs> Liz, oh man, you know what would be hilarious if they put out grit ads today or those. Uh, oh boy. Oh man, what would be on there? You know, you know, back in the day, you could have you know a transistor radio and a. Oh, the uh, Captain O. Yeah, yeah oh, remote boy. control car or something like that that you could sell. What would be on today's? I wonder. Hmm, that's that's food that's, for thought. That is food for thought. That might be part of our scavenger hunt. <laughs> <laughs> that might be cool. Maybe we'll revisit that next episode. I think that's a great idea. Well, that's we will call idea. some more numbers on the next one. So <laughs> yes. I tell you what, if there's a phone number to be called, we're going to try it right here we on the air. So there you go. <laughs> very, very good. But that is ElfQuest number three, cover to cover. So, uh... I suppose we should probably go into plugs right now. How about you tell folks where they can find you on the Intrigue Net? You can find me over on the interwebs at, at Twitter, at Charlton underscore hero. So, yes, you can hear me all argue with people all over the place about, you know, how good GoBots are and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I am I am 46 years old and I'm still talking about GoBots. <laughs> Stick it up your anus. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> you <laughs> but, but, but anyway, you can. I'm also here, of course – Every uh, bi-weekly here on Quester Days with uh, Mr. Chris Sheehan. Uh, myself and Chris also are part of the Podsman team over on the W2M Network where we cover wrestling pay-per-views and all kinds of other wrestling-related shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And I was most recently featured on a very fun episode of Unspoken Issues with Jesse Starcher and Dean Compton. And we discussed a very fun episode of WCW Number 1 from Marvel where I did some mm-hmm. – uh, I did some fake announcing and a fake WCW hotline plug, which is definitely worth the listen. So there you there go. You go. Very, very dim's, cool. my, dim's my plugs, Christopher. <laughs> and of course, you can find me here, uh, Chris and Reggie.podbean.com. Also, Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com. We got the uh, X-Lapse show, which just broke 200 episodes. So uh, there's that. Um, 
What uh, else? What else? And congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was a, it was a very, very uh, big episode. It's 11 or so hours long. So um, I'm guessing people will probably nope out within the first couple of minutes, but <laughs> it was fun to put together. Absolutely. And it was a nice celebration, and we all had a good time. Uh, I mean, you're in there as well, talking about uh, our girl uh, Ilyana Rasputin. So that's right. And I heard, I heard ours was the uh, the shortest one on the yes. entire oh, yeah. episode. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, we never we, go no, on. We, no, we're we're definitely short. Our podcasts are always compact in fifteen minutes. We are concise. <laughs> I had a I had someone tell me that one of my blog posts they they weren't really making a comment or like saying that it was great or well written mm-hmm. or interesting and all that stuff. They told me that I was a very concise writer. Ooh. So I was like, I didn't know whether to be offended or to, <laughs> or to be. That, that's a compliment I will never get. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now, if you want to send us an email, you could do so at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'll read what you say on the air. We'll have some fun conversations. We also have a hotline. Uh, it's not it's not the ripoffs hotline, but uh, I decided to put a, together a voicemail for, uh, for X-Lapsed, but it's a multi-use thing for anything we do here on the channel. So you can call 623 396 Jerk. What? <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that's our that's our hotline. It was a uh, jerk, as in Steve Martin, or jerk as never mind. As in Steve Martin or Professor Xavier is a. Uh, ah, because, okay, uh, gotcha. I because I was looking for an X-related phone number, and um, <laughs> I was like, maybe I could find like area code X lapsed. No, no, maybe I could find area code nine zero S X Men nineties X Men. Nope. Closest thing I was able to find was jerk. And I'm like, okay, I could do that Kitty Pride thing where she's like, Professor Xavier's yeah. a jerk. And uh, yeah, there that's where we are. 623-396-JERK. And uh, we would love to play your thoughts on the air and uh, talk about all the fun Elf and Marvel in the 80s stuff and uh, these fun ads and all the bullpen stuff. So anything you'd like to say, please feel free to hit us up but and and if this is wendy peeney who are also listening to this show and you want to call <laughs> the hotline and tell us how great our show was or oh, just yeah. to lambast us by all means <laughs> and if you could tell us where we could find those little elf quest miniatures for our uh, D campaigns we would love to know yeah if somebody so, wants to send us those for free and pay for all, the <laughs> and all that stuff we will we will Here's we what we're going to do for you yeah we, we will not only let you but we will say your name on the air we might even put your name in the show notes. Wait a minute. <laughs> that might be a step cow. too far. Might be a step Man. too far. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh my boy. <laughs> but I think that's where we'll leave it for today. We would like to thank you all so much for sharing some time with us this fine day. And uh, till next time, as always, we will talk to you again real soon. All right. I got this one, Chris. Ready? See ya. Today.